The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are halfway through May already. Uh, Normally at this time, we're getting close to the Stanley Cup finals, or at least we know who's uh, well out of it. Um, Right now, we don't even know if the season is actually going to resume. Um, And if it does, what shape it's going to be. We have. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I believe part of the problem there is just the lack of decision. I mean, they've they've there've been multiple plans and everybody hints at, at at well, they could do it this way, they could do it that way, but there hasn't been a decision reached on on anything and that's starting that's actually beginning to aggravate the heck out of me. It's just okay, let's decide on something. I realize that it's fluid. I get that because we don't know what way things are going. However, Make a decision. Okay, on XYZ date, we're going to start doing this. Well, that's the thing. They've always it's been contingent upon government plans for uh, that have moving goalposts, and it's just it's ugly. I don't even really want to talk about it anymore. I just don't. Fair enough. Um, but. If the season resumes, um, that's obviously going to become the biggest story for however long it takes between the decision and the actual start. Um, But we have other things on the board today um, than just the season. Um, We have the three-year anniversary of a general manager. Uh, We have... um, we have a player who actually got uh, effectively a Mother's Day tweet from uh, a former player who got a Mother's Day tweet uh, or message from one of his sons um, and a couple other stories as well. Uh, where do we want to start? Well, I think I don't know. I think just to get it out of the way, uh, one of the things that has been throughout this 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 pause as they like to call it has been the fact that even though the ECHL and the KHL and a bunch of other leagues shut down early the NHL and the AHL had both remained in in pause for all this time well back on May 11th so unfortunately a week ago but it was after the last show uh, the AHL decided to call it a day. Uh, the 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 highest minor league system, Providence and sure. Wilkes Bar and whatnot, they've decided to cancel. And for the first time since 1936, since they formed the league, they're not going to be awarding a Calder Cup, which is their championship. Granted, it's our, it's the NHL's. Rookie of the Year uh, title, but in the AHL, it's the championship. They will not be awarding a Calder Cup. They have canceled the season. So basically, the number of games played that involved all these players was for nothing. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, for nothing is a stretch, uh, but it's not a wrong one. Uh, the young players coming into the AHL or playing their first or second year in the AHL, they certainly developed uh, more. Um, but yeah, it's not. It's got it's got to be extremely frustrating. And the quote here is, after a lengthy review process, the American Hockey League has determined that the resumption and completion of the 2019-20 season is not feasible in light of current conditions. And that's from AHL President David Andrews. The league's operational focus has turned toward actively preparing for the 2020-2021 season. And then the final quote, we are very grateful to the National Hockey League and its teams for their support and leadership in navigating through the challenges faced over the past two months. I, I just I'm I'm a little saddened. And when I first read it, it made me nervous that the NHL was going to go the same direction. Uh, the fact that they're still trying to find some way to salvage 2019-2020 gives me a little glimmer of hope, but it was it, it was sad. I feel bad for all of the young players who have played through this whole season, and uh, they're not going to be called up anytime soon because obviously the others are in, are in pause, but the fact that their season doesn't have that finite ending just or the, doesn't have the, the desire. Ending. Yeah, yeah, the on-ice ending. Uh, uh, for me... Uh, looking at the final AHL standings for this season, there's a couple of teams that have to be enormously frustrated. I mean, possibly, possibly none better than the uh, Roadrunners for the the Coyotes affiliate. They lead the uh, Pacific Division, um, 6.47 win percentage or points percentage, uh, 36 wins in 58 games. Uh, there's a lot of guys there who, you know, they know, they absolutely know in their heart of hearts uh, that, you know, if they go in and win the Calder this year, they're they're be they're going to be in camp late next year um, if they're still under contract, or they're going to get a, at least a two-way NHL contract next year if they're no longer under uh, under contract. The Milwaukee Admirals played 663 games, had a 714 uh, points percentage, best in the league. Um, they led the Central. Uh, they absolutely had to be uh, have to be a little bit annoyed. Um, and you know the Belleville Senators, the Ottawa Senators. We've talked about it. Their prospect pool uh, and their young players is a lot better than some of the teams that we've discussed uh, who have, you know, deeper pockets and, well, <clears throat> more highly functioning ownership uh, than the Senators do. And let's face it, when was the last time the Providence Bruins won their division or were leading their division this late in the year? I don't remember. Now, the NHL, all, the NHL has the Vesna Trophy for the best goaltender in the NHL for that particular season. Yep. Does the AHL have an equivalent award? Oh, absolutely. I just don't remember what it is. Right. And one of the players who was in line to win said award 
a young man by the name of um, Dan Vladar, uh-huh. who has participated in 25 games, currently leads the AHL with a 1.79 goals against and a 936 save percentage. With three shutouts. Now, granted, Capo Kakinen has seven shutouts uh, and a 2.07 with a 9.27 save percentage in 34 games. I think the number of games played might have hurt him a little bit. Uh, Capo Kakinen has played over 2,000 minutes, and he is uh, he is like in the top three or top five in minutes played, but. He would have been in consideration because Igor Shesterkin is up in the NHL now. Uh, it would have been Capo Kakinen, Connor Ingram, Dan Vladar. It's just, it, I feel, I, I, it's guys like that who you kind of feel bad for because they're in line to for some individual awards. Granted, if you ask any player, they will all tell you it's all about getting the championship and that. Individual awards, while nice, are not the be-all, end-all. But it's still nice to get awarded for your for your efforts, it's, and to turn around and find out that not only you're not getting award, but everything you did is going to get wiped off the board because basically it didn't happen because you didn't have a end to the season. I mean, are these stats? Uh, how how do you involve? The stats for this year. I mean, do we now have asterisks in the AHL for the 2019-20 season? You're going to. I mean, you're going to have an asterisk. You didn't complete the season. I think it's less impactful at the AHL level for anyone who's not borderline, um, simply because it's a development league. It's not meant to be the final playing. Uh, but destination some, of anyone who's actually you know good or really really good. But for some guys, that is their league. I mean, yes, I understand the younger guys, the top prospects, the ones that I get it. But for some guys, that is their league. They're not going to be playing in the NHL. This is where they're at, and a championship would mean something to them. Yeah, it, it, obviously it would mean something, but I I think I think for most players, even the guys who have been in the AHL for 12 years, every one of them is focused on hitting the NHL. Like legitimately, I I just can't see it any other way. Okay. Um, I, I, just, I just want I just figured. I just figured that since they're not going to be playing anymore, it just, I mean, you look at some of the numbers and some of the guys, yeah, the the guy at the top of the list for the AHL is a guy by the name of Sam Annis. He plays for the Wild. Sounds right. Uh, he's an admiral. He's, or? He plays for the Iowa Wild. I'm going to guess that they're, the affiliate for the Minnesota Wild. That's that, a really again, good guess. 63 games played. He has 70 points. Uh, I mean, he's not he's not exactly old by any stretch, but he's never, as far as I can tell, never played an NHL game. 
he's actually at the end of his two-year two-way contract. I mean, smallest guy, 5'8", 157 pounds. Eek. But in in his four seasons with the with the with the Iowa Wild, he's amassed 197 points in 259 games. Not the most defensive player in the world, but he's a minus 32 for his career. You <laughs> Ennis? Ennis, A N A S. N A S. I don't remember him. No, he's he's top point getter in the AHL right now. I just and when you don't have a championship to look forward to, now you start looking at okay, who would have got individual stats? It's just it, I just want to throw it out there because I was hoping that they would stick it out along with the NHL and, and finish their seasons. That's all. Yeah, uh, I don't know what uh, what to make of it, but uh, I certainly hope the NHL has the. Mm, I'll, okay, I'll go ahead and call it courage to finish. <laughs> Fortitude. Um, it's it's an ugly. There are a lot of decisions that have to be made, and but I don't know that you should be taking self determination away from a bunch of grown ups who already play a game that is risky to their health. Uh, this isn't this isn't a monopoly world championship where the worst thing that might happen is uh, you cut yourself on a chip eating too fast. Um, it's the NHL where, yeah, you you could die on the ice. Okay, that might be uh, that might be an extreme, but it is a possibility. So where do we go from there? Why don't we look at the why don't we look at the bigger story? Um, after we wrapped last week's show, we decided to talk about uh, we were going to take a look at the Buffalo Sabers this week and just take a quick look at uh, a couple of stories around them. There's not a great deal of news. Um, I came across a mention that Botterill just had his uh, three year anniversary. Yep, and I, I think that's a re- I think that's actually a fair time to put together a reasonable review of uh, of someone's NHL tenure. I mean, he took over a team that was not good. Uh huh. Um, just before you dive into any of the numbers, the drafts, the trades, the signings, what's your impression about the change uh, between? Before Botterill and during Botterill? Uh, at the beginning when he was signed, I think there was a lot of hope, a lot of uh, expectations. Uh, as he started, I didn't see – I couldn't figure out where he was trying to go. And having one of your early moves, uh, uh, trading a guy like Evander Kane – I think put a negative in the column. Losing Robin Leonard might have been another negative. It's been a lot of math. He hasn't made them worse, but he hasn't gotten them into the playoffs. They've shown signs of life. Uh, I mean, leading leading the league for a small stretch in each of the last two seasons shows that there is talent there. Yeah, I mean... 
But Jack Eichel says there's talent. Jeff Skinner says there's talent. But overall, what's your impression of his job? Uh, meh. So he, C he hasn't. Yeah, I, 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 I was thinking C, C plus, C minus, somewhere in that neighborhood, probably a C minus. Uh, he hasn't hurt them, but he hasn't done anything to move them forward either. He, he's I, I mean, that's that's reasonable. Um, and I, gap or a holding place until they can find somebody like I don't know. Uh, what if Jonathan Chaco was there? You know, it, it, uh, well, Chaco has had a longer run. Um, admittedly, he also had more limited resources because, uh, I mean, let's face it. Location uh, of the team, for one thing. It's not the location of the team, but, you know, the guy who owns the Sabres also owns the Buffalo Bills. And that means he's not particularly hurting for cash um, versus the utterly depleted Coyotes franchise uh, that until most recent season – hadn't been in position to actually spend money for a decade. I mean, they were playing, they were taking advantage of the way that the CBA was written to even allow them to pass the, the cap floor. It's just some of the deals he's made. I mean, I, I think, I mean, for me, uh, having looked at the numbers now, there's a very, 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 very slight improvement. Yeah. Um, but it hasn't been actually it hasn't been market improvement. They haven't made the no, playoffs. Actually, yeah, it's a very slight improvement. In the three years before Jason Botterill, uh, they had a 433 points percentage. Or point, yeah, points percentage. Um, in during his tenure, they're at 4.42. That's essentially random. There's an additional team in the league that is essentially random. Um, he, okay. he spent he spent a good amount of time in the uh, in the Penguin system. Yeah. He's a former player. I think you need to do better than random. Um. I think that, yes, Eichel has had some injuries. Yes, Skinner has had some injuries. Um, but remember, Skinner was his essentially his first big move, bringing him in. And what did we say about Skinner at the time? Uh, he's a goal scorer. He's a goal scorer, but he's injury prone. And he's injury prone. Um, and, yeah, he's, I mean, Jeff Skinner has not played an extreme amount of games in the past uh, three years. Uh, in fact, I think he missed most of this season as well. Um, phenomenally talented, but it doesn't matter how talented you are if you're not actually playing. I mean, he only played 59 games this year. Um, yet, or actually, it was in Botterill's second year that he got him. So we got all 82 out of him last year, which is great. Uh, and the year before was all 82 for him. Um, but he'd been banged up a lot in the first uh, few years of his career. Um, I, but the thing is some of the, some of the things and, and yes, the, the 
the head man is always blamed. You know, something happens. Uh, the boss is always the boss is always blamed. Whether he turns around and lumps that blame onto everybody else is is up to the boss. But if you look at like players that they drafted since he's taken over as GM, they've had like two guys that have played in the NHL, maybe three. And those two guys have been good. I mean, you've had. I mean, it's hard to argue well, with taking Rasmus Dahlin. Rasmus, no, and, and this is why Rasmus Dahlin first overall. Uh, they grabbed Dylan Cousins last year in the draft, but he hasn't seen the NHL yet. Casey Middlestats played in the NHL. Uh, I know they're waiting on Uko Pekalukin and the goaltender that they drafted back in 2017. I think they're just trying to figure out when it's his time. But if you look at the list of names, I don't recognize no, any I, of them. You've any. never heard of most <laughs> of the guys. Uh, but you. But let's just take that – Let's take the Darlene draft. Um, Svechnikov was rumored by some to go ahead of them, uh, to go first overall. Um, Brady Kachuk, everyone talked about him all year long. Some of that is the local bias. Some of that is was legitimate national attention. Um, three guy, uh, Two guys have played more games than Rasmus Dallin, but... He's a defenseman versus Kachuk and um, Svechnikov both being wingers. Brady Kachuk has one more point in one more game. Or, I'm sorry, five more points in one more game. And Svechnikov has in nine more games, uh, what is that, eight more points? And those are those are both forwards on, honestly, better teams. Um, but if so, we're... But if we're going to sit here and give all kinds of grief to Colorado for not drafting Seth Jones, you can't give uh, no. Buffalo Buffalo grief for drafting. I'm not Darlene. giving him. I think I think Darlene was a great pick. I think they made the right choice. Um, Casey Middlestat. Um, that one's a little harder to justify. I mean, he's a. He's a, he's played 114 games. He's only got 40. He's under 40 points still. Uh, and that was taken eighth overall. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at Martin Neckes, uh, of who was drafted by Carolina in 72 games. He's got 38 points. Same number of goals as at 17 as Casey Middlestat. Um, Robert Thomas, uh, Philip Cheadle, more points already. Um, those were two. Those were uh, twenty and twenty-one. Sure, Thomas was playing on what turned into be a Stanley Cup champion team, um, but Casey Middlestat, while everyone thinks the ceiling on him is high, where he's where he's actually playing at the moment, mm, that's uh, not quite so high. Uh, yes, it's only one or it's only two seasons. Uh, I don't. I'm not calling him a wash, but no. But the thing with that example, draft is, there's only two players in that draft that there are only two players in that draft that are over a hundred points. Yeah. Um. But it, it's not. I, I'm not calling the 2017 draft a bust, but. It's kind of a weak draft in, at this point. We're only three and years in. I'm right. I'm not concerned. 
because honestly, a very it's it's still only a few percent. A few players have played in that year. It's only been 51 out of the top out of the 200 ish players. 217 players have actually played NHL games. Uh, most drafts, it's in the mid 40s for, for percentage. They're at 23 and a half. Give it another two years, and we can make a better evaluation. Only 25 percent um, of the players have played. Yeah, that it, we still got a little ways to go. Um, but there were a lot of Kate, moves in is that Casey draft. Middlestat going to be? Is Casey Middlestat going to actually perform like a first round draft pick when you look back at him when he hits 400 games? At this point, it doesn't does not appear that way. I was going to say evidence evidence to the contrary. But the thing is, can you blame Bottero for that, or is that a scouting issue? You're the man so. who signs the paychecks, um, and if you see something different, uh, you might have to make the call. But How Patty's roll downhill. Yeah, got it. <laughs> I, I just I, – I don't want to completely give the guy an F, but yeah, I, I – I'm sticking with my C minus. You got a you got a letter of any type that you'd like to give him? Uh, before I before I started looking at it, I, I probably would have given him a D plus before I started looking at the actual numbers. Okay. Um, having actually dived in, um, remember he's on his second head coach in just three years. Um, and you were not fond of him for getting rid of the first one. I still think it was a mistake. I don't think they gave Housley. I don't think they gave Housley enough of a chance. I, I, I just don't know how you can make a decision after one season or one and a half seasons on whether it's. I mean, yes, okay, they were struggling, but um, you just took over. You've given him one draft and parts of others. It, 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 I don't know. It just. Yeah, I think that. Housley should have been given a little bit more of a window. Okay, I mean, granted, if he fails, he fails. But you're you're failing now. You haven't made the playoffs anyway. You really haven't markedly improved. Um, let's you look at some it. of his trades. He brought in Wayne Simmons at the deadline and Dominic Cahoon at the deadline um, for uh, a fifth round pick. So the Simmons trade, if it works out, okay, I guess. It's not a big deal, but he traded Evan Rodriguez and Connor Sheary to bring in Dominic Cahoon. Uh, that looked that looks like it was a money move. It, it does look like it was a money move. Um, but overall, is that? I mean, Connor Sheary is a guy with playoff experience, which most of your roster doesn't have. <laughs> well, Pittsburgh um, wanted him back too. I'm pretty sure. Yep, and that was that was a guy that he had picked up uh, from Pittsburgh. Um, you look at some of the other acquisitions. Oh, Matthew Spencer. Him. Don't remember who he is. <laughs> Henry uh, Yokoharu. Eh. Henry Yokoharu uh, got him from Chicago for Alexander Nylander, which I don't have a problem with. I don't have a problem with move like that. Alexander Nylander was is not his brother. Unfortunately, yes. the 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 Nylander genes went from dad, who was really good, to William, who is really good, and some went to Alexander. It's almost like watching the movie Twins. 
all the good genes went to one player and all the other genes went to the other player. <laughs> Alexander is not as good as his brother. And they acquired a decent young kid in Yokiharu who I think is going he's not going to be top pairing. He's not going to win any 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 uh, Norris trophies, at least not any evidence that I've seen. But he's a decent young defenseman and, and defense wins championships, as they say. I'm OK with stuff like that. It's Jimmy VC. Uh, Jimmy VC. People have talked about him like he's the second coming for like six years. And I've always looked at him and said, why? Why? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, was this – please tell me how this trade improved that team. They gave up a third-round pick for a guy playing at third-line quality who they're paying second-line money. Was – how about acquiring – go ahead. No, he's just not. He's he's another one that's never. Uh, I don't even. I don't know what his potential might have been, but I. He certainly hasn't attained. He certainly hasn't attained it, or in any way solidified people's belief in how good he was. I mean, it was a huge deal. He managed to get through his four years of college, became a free agent, decided he wasn't going to go to wherever he was supposed to go. And I don't even remember at this point where that was. I, I don't either. Ended up signing with the Rangers. Big deal. You know, where was he going to sign? And the Bruins should have been in on him. And listen, I hate to tell you, but uh, I'm kind of glad the Bruins didn't get him. I don't know if they really were in on Jimmy VC, but if they were, I'm glad they didn't get him. Uh, goes to the Rangers. A lot of math. Now he's in Buffalo. Still a lot of meh. <laughs> I'm not even sure meh is a isn't an overstatement based on his uh, based on his nine goals and 64 games this year. Fair enough. I mean, nine goals and 64 games is really is decent is above average if you're a defenseman. Um. For a goaltender or for a goal, a supposed goal scorer, because no one looks at Jimmy VC for his defense. He's not the most physical player in the league. Um, son, you got to score some. Yeah, <laughs> son, you got to perform. Colin Miller, um, enough, but just saying his name is enough. Uh, another acquisition. Ouch. Um, so, and wait, so wait, Vegas won that by getting a second and a fifth round pick. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> oh, and they also got rid of what was it? Almost $4 million that, uh, Colin Miller is paid or was paid. Wait, Colin Miller was, I'm sorry. Colin Miller was stealing $4 million. What? <laughs> Salary for two oh. more or for two more seasons is three eight uh, three million eight hundred and seventy five thousand a year. Uh, that's that that's like that that that's his agent. <laughs> like his agent, I want him negotiating everything for me in the future. That, from the price of grapes, stealing that kind of money. <laughs> 
from the price of grapes to buying a house, like, dude, you're hired. Um, I mean, Colin Miller. But then, then dealing Brandon Gould and a first round pick who ended up being Braden Tracy to Buffalo for Brand, uh, to, to Anaheim for Brandon Montour. Now, I think that granted. It's it brings in a, a, over three million dollars in money, but I think that was a good move. I think Brandon Monto is a good young defenseman. Okay, so they won one trade out of twenty. I didn't say it. Was, I didn't say it put him over the top. I mean, he traded Cliff Poo, and wow. Okay, that was a that was a screw up. Traded Cliff Poo. A 2019 second, a 2023 and a 2026 for Jeff Skinner. Winner? Uh, I look. I will take. <laughs> Je- I will take a healthy Jeff Skinner over what they traded for him. So we'll, we now have him at two wins in in two years. But they traded a Vander Kane. Ugh. But no, no, no. Before we even get to Vander Kane, um, the Ryan O'Reilly trade. They got oh, back goodness. Patrick Berglund, yeah. Vladimir Sabatka, hey, Johnson, um, Ryan Johnson, at, or the future Ryan Johnson in a 2019 first round pick. No, he hasn't been. No, he hasn't been into the NHL yet. Um, and then a second round pick in 2021. To date, they've lost that trade. Uh, yes, Ryan O'Reilly uh, went on to win a cup. Did he not also get the uh, Selkie that year? I believe so, yeah. Oops. Um, Oops. <laughs> and then you go back to when they acquired Connor Sheary, uh, July 27th of 2018. Um, one of one of um, early well, no, not quite his earliest move, but um, it was they picked up Sheary and Hunwick. They gave up a fourth round pick, and that was pretty much it because, quite frankly, the Penguins were cash strapped and needed to be able to make moves for July 1st. Uh, yep. Um, some very, very nothing trades uh, over the summer. Um, Danny O'Regan. Danny O'Regan will be a. Braden Tracy. Kapanen are they're going to be the answer to a trivia question. Absolutely. They are the three completely phenomenally forgettable players or picks traded for Evander Kane. They picked those up. Um, they might as well have legitimately traded for bubblegum. You could get yeah. a bag of pucks. I mean, yes, okay, a little bit of an overstatement, but two of these guys are not even in the Buffalo Sabres system anymore. They're just not in the system. Danny O'Regan has five points in 25 NHL games. (laughs) (laughs) Just throwing that out there. there. He's currently with the Hartford Wolf Pack, though. A very important and prestigious team whose affiliate 
NHL affiliate, I don't remember or care. Hartford? Are they not the affiliate for the Rangers? Uh, irrelevant. Not, <laughs> he's, hey, he not, has, he's not in the he's not in the Sabre system though. He has thirty eight points in sixty two games in, in Hartford. Wow. But he won't be finishing the last however many games they do they play eighty two games as well? I believe so. So he won't be finishing the last twenty games? I don't think they play as many as the NHL. No, I'm almost positive they do, but irrelevant. Again, um, yes, irrelevant. Yeah, sure. Braden Tracy, he's in the Anaheim Ducks system. <laughs> Still has not sniffed the NHL. He's in the. He played for uh, the War- Moose Jaw Warriors and Victoria Royals. Now he actually looks like a strong prospect. Well over a point per game, even if he's uh, his plus minus is not especially good. Okay. Although his playoff numbers uh, are. Um, non-desirable and the other guy ethan keppen he's in the vancouver he's on the vancouver reserve list um unsigned he's playing in the ohl for the flint firebirds uh he's a left wing and in 44 games this year in the ohl uh he managed just 29 points it looks like some injuries um Last year he played just 68 games. But he's, um, we're ignoring we're ignoring the biggest. I mean, okay, maybe the second biggest because you could call Evander Kane the biggest gaff, or it could be the second number one or number two. You could either way. You lost Robin Leonard. Something granted, the team desperately needed a goaltender. Whether he wanted to be there or not be there, I don't care. You lost Robin Leonard. And you needed to get something for him. Yeah, and that was the big deal. If you let him walk away for nothing, that was your failure. If you knew he didn't want to be there or you didn't want him there because he was admittedly going through some rough times, that's all on you. Uh, Robin Leonard goes to Chicago, goes to the Islanders. Plays in 46 games for the Islanders, uh, 2.13 goals against, 9.30 save percentage. Moves on from there to the Blackhawks, uh, where admittedly they have nothing in front of him except for Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith. Um, but he has a he plays in 33 games, has a 3.01 goals against and a 9.18 save percentage. Gets traded to Vegas. And, okay, small sample size, but in Vegas, he has played in three games. Goals against, uh, I'm sorry, save percentage, 1.67. Goals uh, goals again, or I'm sorry, goals against 1.67. Save percentage, 940. Now, again, small sample size, only three games since he's been there. Uh, But... Which one is is that? That's a statement of Vegas's defense in front of him, or what? I mean, this is a guy that you should not have let it get away, or not should not have let him get away for nothing. Yep. Yeah, if he didn't want to be there, you trade him. Any bad a bad trade for a small return is better than a 
than letting someone walk. If and you could Scott. have gotten a third and a fourth round pick for him at the deadline that year, that's better than letting him go for nothing. I just I, yeah. was he having I, his best year as his last year in in Buffalo? Absolutely not. I, I'm just I. For me, uh, that one's uh, that and the Evander Kane thing are really hard for me to swallow as far as Botterill. But and again, those are two of the three biggest player moves that he's had since he got there. Um, I mean, you can you can talk about him re-signing uh, Eichel, but one, Eichel wanted to be there. Two, Eichel was an RFA. If he didn't re-sign Eichel, he would have been fired. I'm pretty sure five minutes after he didn't re-sign him. Yeah. Um, if he, there's, there's just no, so for me, um, Jason Botterill between whenever play resumes and the trade deadline next year, and that's the deadline for me needs to, needs to improve the team, like visibly improve the team next year at the trade deadline. They need to be, Minimum of 10 points better than uh, this year. Fair enough. And 10, 10 points is not a huge improvement. It's five additional wins. Um, it's But it's a step in the right direction, and it's, it's a reasonable measuring point. Well, the kicker on that is that they've shown they have the capability of doing it. Because as I said at the beginning of this thing, the last two seasons – They've spent time at the top of the division. They have yeah, the ability to get there. Yeah, but, but they, they're not even sustaining. still. It's not sustain. They're not sustaining it. And why is that? No. Uh, lack of depth. Lack of lack of depth. I think is the first and second. And that's and that's the one that reflects on Botterill. Uh, is the they lack have, of depth. They have a bottom 12 and a top three and not much in between as far as forwards go. Fair enough. Um, like they le- they legitimately have a bunch of guys you could turn into really great third and fourth lines. And that's about it. After Eichel and Skinner and arguably Middlestat. But yet the one thing that all I've heard over the last couple, three years is that the worst thing to happen to Buffalo is the fact that they have Rasmus Ristolainen. Oh. Um, even, okay, so replace Rasmus Ristolainen with any other defenseman drafted that year. Do they make the playoffs <laughs> any of those years? Uh, the answer no. is no. <laughs> because the overall team quality isn't. Rasmus Ristolainen drafted in the 13 draft. Uh, well, Seth Jones. But the thing is, Seth Jones alone wouldn't have. No. The only other defense. The, there's only two defensemen taken ahead of Ristolainen. Seth Jones, obviously, and mm-hmm. Darnell Nurse. And then at number eight, Ristolainen was taken by Buffalo. Either one of those two guys still doesn't put them over the top. And I love Seth Jones. You love Seth Jones. Neither one of them is going to improve their playoff standing. And you look at the next couple of defensemen drafted. Sam Morin, he's played all of nine NHL games. Yeah, there you go. Josh Morrissey, 
I like him a lot. Probably not. I don't think uh, I, he's not better than Jones or or um, Nurse. Nope. Uh, Definitely not Jones. Nurse. Ryan Pollock, no, like Nikita Zadorov, and Mirko Mueller. Nope. One of my favorites in this draft, Shea Theodore, taken at 26. Still no. I mean, so theoretically, let's just run. Uh, let's just fly backwards in time. Mm-hmm. It's three, four. It's three, four days before the draft. It's draft day. Say instead of keeping your number eight pick and taking Rasmus Ristolainen. Yes. You trade. You trade back, and you somehow manage to. Because someone in here had multiple picks in the, in the, uh, in the before the end of the next round, like they had the they well they picked up Zadorov in the same draft. Um, let's see, Columbus, Columbus. Okay, say instead of taking him, Columbus yes. really wants that eight number eight pick, and they're willing to give you the fourteen and the nineteen. Mm-hmm. So you would inst- so would you would at that point have the 14, 16, and 19 picks. Yeah. Do you may if you if you can do that and you trade out for a couple of other defensemen, you you reach for Shea Theodore. Um and maybe oh gosh. I don't know, if take Shea Th- I don't know. If you take Shea Theodore at the nineteen, that's not a huge reach. I Make mean, it sound like Shea Theodore is terrible. No, no, no. it's not a huge reach, but um, and it's just above maybe, where he was actually picked. And maybe you go with uh, Brett Pesci, a defensive defenseman out of UNH. Um, like uh, Pesci. Remember how that much Carolina better are you defense? with those three with with Ristolainen, Zadorov, Pesci, and? Um, but do you get Ristolainen if you trade the eight pick to Col- to Columbus? Oh, without. Uh, uh, no, if you don't take Ristolainen and you take, say, Pesci and um, Shea Theodore and Shea Theodore in, with those picks. And, and yes, you, Pesci would have been a reach. Pesci would have been certainly a reach. But uh, at 14, 16, 19, you could get yourself two defensemen and a forward because Columbus wouldn't have been taking Wenberg at eight. They would have been. I Maybe would assume they, they would have been. Maybe you take Wenberg it. there, or given the way that we liked him at the time, maybe you grab Frederick Gauthier there, and you have him to play with Eichel. Um, <sighs> Frederick Gauthier is not. He's a fourth liner, third liner at best. I don't think uh, he's not a he's not a first round draft. If they redrafted this, and when when we end up doing this one, because we are at some point going to do it, uh, Gauthier is not in the first round. Okay, how about Ryan Hartman? Maybe you grab but him. But you He's can got... get yourself Burakovsky or Yeah, well, uh, I grab don't yourself know. grab yourself a goal scorer and two defensemen. If you were to trade the eighth pick to Columbus for their fourteen and nineteen, and you would probably have you would certainly have to throw something else in. You couldn't just say number eight for fourteen and nineteen. It would have to be like number eight, know. and it depends on what it depends on how bad Columbus wants uh, someone at that spot. Right, but okay, so they get fourteen, sixteen, nineteen. So you draft uh, 
you draft uh, uh, two defensemen, you get yourself Shea Theodore. Uh, even if you don't get Brett Pesci, even if you grab Josh Morrissey. Yep. So you get Shea Theodore, Josh Morrissey, and pick a forward. Um, does an Anthony does Anthony Manta help you? Uh, could you play him? Could you play him on one side of Jack Eichel? You possibly could. I'm not as high on Manta as other people. Um, uh, I I have issues with Burakovsky um, and his. Uh, yeah, I have issues with Burakovsky. Okay. I think he's solid. Um, but yeah, I. See, Buffalo actually drafted the guy that I would consider taking in JT Comfer. He's turned himself into – he's not a huge point getter, but he's turned into – he's turned himself into a solid two-way player. He's a he's a better than just solid penalty killer. Uh, JT Comfer is a full 200-foot player, but they actually drafted him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, there there are so many options they could have had, but I still don't think that Ristolainen is. It improves is, them greatly. I still don't think that Ristolainen is the issue, and I think it's funny that Buffalo Sabres fans want to blame him for everything. He's the worst defenseman in the league. Uh, he's the only defenseman your team had since <laughs> until they drafted Rasmus Dahlin. <laughs> <laughs> Effectively, yeah. <laughs> You can't blame the guy when he's the only defenseman that any Buffalo Sabres fan can name. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's so. How so, what's the shelf? How much shelf life does he have left? Is it just a year? Is it two years? <laughs> I think you need. I think that ownership needs to start putting their foot down with him. I thought it was a, a good idea to bring him in, but I also said at the time that they needed to give him the same leeway that that Arizona is giving to Cheka. So you're, you you start the grading him at of, five years then. The whole maybe. bunch of meh. I give him an I give him I give him another year, see what he can do. And if there's still a lot of not much movement, then yeah, we start looking. Because there uh, hasn't been – and that's the one thing about – Arizona hasn't made huge leaps and bounds, but they have shown improvement. They have shown improvement, and they've managed to pull off – they haven't lost most of their trades. So Pagula – I think Pagula is looking at this, and I think he's – I think he's got a clock on it, and it's probably another year. If they, if they don't show market improvement – in the 2020-2021 season, I, I don't know how much longer – I should probably look that up – how much longer he has on his contract. So for me, there's there's three three ways that I would that I would grade Botterill over next – over the next season. Uh-huh. Um, do three or more drafted players who have goes. not yet played – three more players he has drafted – Make okay. it to the NHL, play at least thirty games, and contribute. Thirty games each, obviously. And I, so, I mean, contribute is a different bar for 
defensemen, forwards, and uh, and goaltenders. You know, if Aaron Huglin, uh, their their uh, fourth round pick in 2019, makes it to the NHL uh, at the start of next camp, uh, he, you look at his Fargo Force numbers for the 18-19 season. He had 28 games played and uh, just 14 points. Do I think he's going to make the NHL next year? Probably not. But assuming he does, if he makes, if he comes in in 25 games and has four goals, six assists, I think that's, I think that's a solid performance for a guy who will be 20 years old at the start of, actually, he won't even be 20 years old at the start of next season. Um, and really there's not, there's not a, there's not a huge amount expected of him. Uh, if Dylan Cousins or Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson, uh, Johnson come in next year, and they're in the conversation for the Calder Trophy, either one of them or both of them, um, yes, that's that's improvement. You you you've shown that you can draft. Um, you've shown that you can hire scouts. <laughs> that's hey, that's something that some general managers can't do. Fair um, enough. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing. I'm just. I'm. I'm just trying to figure out. And, and I, I. I agree. There needs to be. There needs to be benchmarks. There needs to be some sort of of quantitative uh, evidence. Uh, or I mean, for your uh, your guy, uh, Uka Pekalukanen. Uka Pekalukanen. Uh, if he I comes just like in, saying the name. <laughs> and you know he plays 12 games. And he equal or uh, maybe not his AHL numbers, but say he plays 12 games in the first half of next season for whatever reason, injuries, trades, uh, someone sick, whatever. Um, and he wins four of those 12 games, but has a 915 save percentage in doing so. I consider that a win. Mm-hmm. Is it is four out of 12 a a low bar? Yes. Is it possible you're going to damage his confidence with that sort of win percentage? Absolutely. But with a 915 save percentage, you're at maybe slightly above the league average save percentage um, on a team that's not great. I think that with I think that when it comes to Lucan and I think that he's. Vladar didn't have great numbers when he first joined the Bruins no. organization, but now he's. I, I think that Lukanen needs to be. I mean, you look at you look at his, and I'm not picking on him, but you look at 2017-18, five different teams. 2018-19, four different teams. 2019-20, even then, two different teams. I think that he needs to get some kind of stability, and then we can judge him. So yeah. I think that if you do see those kind of numbers, even if it's not a great win percentage, if you see a 915, somewhere between like 915 and 920 save percentage, uh, you have to start thinking that there's something, you know, there's something there's there. Something there's there. smoke. Yeah. I just, I don't think Botterill's a bad GM. I just don't think that he's done enough to make me call him a good one. Uh, I think that he's not, 
I don't know that he's capable of building a team. I think he's possibly capable of maintaining a team where you have stars in their core who can carry you into the playoffs by themselves, or you have that strong core, which Buffalo doesn't have. Well, now, it says it says something to me that back in 2000, back in 2014, and yes, he was young. He was 37, 38 years old. But Pittsburgh Penguins named him interim GM for a whopping 21 days. If he was going to be, I guess I should have seen the evidence then. I mean, if he was going to be a really good GM, why didn't they hang on to him? They moved him back down to associate general manager. Um, They may have had some transactions that needed to get done and they wanted someone to hang it on. They may have wanted to see how he was going to respond to leading scouts and whatever. Um, yes, he was partially responsible for helping Mike Sullivan land, uh, with the Penguins, I believe. Um, that's when the Penguins moved, moved on from Ray Shero and named Jim Rutherford GM. Um, but I, you're right. There's not, there's not a lot of evidence in his, uh, in his favor. I think that the strongest statement that we that can be made about him is that he reminds me of the Oilers system at this point for the first decade or half uh, for like the first 10 years of this uh, uh, for the last 10 or 12 years. Okay. Um, he obviously he hasn't drafted. He hasn't managed to pick up a dry sidle and a uh, <laughs> and, you know, a mixed savior. But. Um, well, no, he that, lost. He lost that one and ended up getting Eichel instead of McDavid. Uh, but that's it, no, no, no. Uh, go, let me just finish real quick. That ahead. was an organization that could draft in the first round, but everything else was completely worthless. Yes, I think he can recognize high end talent, but I have not yet seen any proof that he has the ability either in trades or in drafting to pull those second, third, fourth, sixth round picks out who end up making the found the foundation or who end up expanding the borders that your core will hold. Fair enough. I can, I can go with that. Yeah. Okay. I think we've beaten uh Botterill to death enough. Um, that was, <laughs> That was almost a full show just talking about him. Um, there are a few other little tidbits here and there that we could touch on very quickly. Um, sure. Uh, one of them is also on the topic of trades, and uh, that was uh, one of those. Uh, that was a story written by uh, uh, for uh, ninety-eight-five, the Sports Hub, by Tyler Anderson. Here in, uh, Ty oh, Anderson, here, in, here in Boston, yeah, Ty Anderson, uh, uh, friend Nick of the Ritchie. show, friend of ours. Friend yep, of show. Nick Ritchie was uh, traded just days before the season was paused, and um, he was he talks with Anderson about how it sort of bluffed him in no man, feeling like he's in no man's land. Barely got I, a chance to meet the guys. I get it. I, I he I get it. And, I saw I actually saw a clip of the interview 
on the news one night. And I completely understand it. He never had a chance to gel with any of his teammates. He got here and then, oh, pause. He played, what, three games or something? It it wasn't many. I mean, the article says he played like 65 minutes with uh, Krejci and like, I don't know, I think it was like 15 minutes with Coyle. Yeah, 65 and 15. Uh, So that's that's not many minutes. Uh, That's 80 total minutes um, on the ice. Yes, you have your bench time to talk. Yes, you have morning skates and flights. But if you're the new guy, how how much time are you getting, especially if you've already if you played with two different centers uh, in that time? Because he's been with Charlie as well. Charlie Coyle, that is. And, and and I'm also feeling and, and nobody's mentioning it. And it's I and, and I'm pretty sure that he hasn't said anything, but the same situation exists for Andre Kasha. Oh, absolutely. And Andre Kasha, uh, he wasn't he injured simply or right before when they when they brought him in, he was still he was recovering. still on the recovering from whatever injury he had had when they re- acquired him from Anaheim. So he didn't play straight away. He he missed another whole week or so before he came back to the team. And, you know, we we use Ty Anderson's story, which you really should read. Um, it 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 brings up some interesting points specific to Boston and uh, Brett. But um, this is this is the same story for everybody who was traded at the draft or or I mean, not at the draft at the deadline at, at or the just, deadline. Yeah. Or, uh, and there were a lot of guys who moved um, without that three, four weeks. Um, and the, of course, the other part of that is it's now 10, 12 weeks since the uh, since the uh, since the deadline. One of the really one of the things that teams count on from those trades is the psychological boost of new blood and guys who you know escaped being traded who had been rumored to be on the trade block for, you know, three weeks or two months or in the case of Mark Stewart, since he was drafted until the time he actually was shown the door. Um, and you're not going to get that because quite honestly, it's, <laughs> it's half a season later at this point. I mean, time wise, we're half a season away uh, from that, uh, from that deadline. Um, I mean, when when I saw the video, he was talking about how he's been spending time video chatting with all of his teammates, trying to get to know them, doing whatever he can, being socially distanced and and staying at home. But he's been doing everything he can to try and get to know his teammates. The only difficulty is he's getting to know them on a personal level, but there's still that chemistry that needs to be developed on the ice. Oh yeah, and and that let's face they can't it. and that they can't do over a Skype chat or over a Zoom. Yeah, whatever. Uh, there are there are no uh, saucer passes back and forth over Zoom. Not that I'm aware of, anyway. No, haven't haven't seen it. Um, I don't think WebEx does it either. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, if you're familiar with the video conferencing. Software that will allow that. Definitely, the NHL would like to know, and the NFL will probably attempt to buy it wholesale um, for their exclusive use. Um, he's he's certainly more talented than his brother. And wow. now the Bruins now wow. the Bruins have the market 
on Richie's uh, because they have both of them. Um, But Nick Richie, when they brought him here, and this is not a knock on Nick Richie, but when they brought him here, the the timing of the deal was done pretty much right at the end of the deadline. All I could think is Don Sweeney sitting in his office – watching Tampa Bay make multiple deals, watching other teams make multiple deals, and he's only made one deal. And I think he got it in his head that he had to make one more deal. He had to bring somebody else in. He had to make one more move. And this was it because it was all that was really available. (laughs) I'm not saying that Nick Ritchie is a bad acquisition. I don't know if he's the right acquisition. He's, He's a physical body. He likes to get physical. Fans in Boston are going to love him for that. He's already made a few big hits in his time on the ice. But I don't know that he was the right move or a necessary move. You see what I'm saying? Um, oh, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I like the fact that they added depth. Um, I don't recall them giving up a huge amount for him. Uh, in fact, I don't think that they gave up too, too much for either uh, him or Kashe. Um, uh, I, but I, I think that this is a, this is going to be a league issue uh, with the resumption and or cancellation um, that just can't really be ignored. Okay. Um, so for, yeah, the Bruins gave up Danton Heinen for Nick Ritchie and gain and managed to gain, uh, 1.3 million in cap space. Um, the Kashe deal was actually more interesting. Um, They gave up the first round pick for him, which, which is my, which I don't particularly like even, even though I've said since early in the year that I don't expect this draft to be particularly strong. Um, I think it's, I don't think it's going to be deep, but they gave, they, they gave up or they moved on from David Backus while retaining a quarter of his salary. Um, but the, the amount of money they gave up was still a a good percentage. They needed to go ahead. Uh, they move, they moved on from Axel Anderson (laughs) <laughs> and they moved on from um, a first round pick <laughs> from a first round pick who um, theoretically will be better than Axel Anderson and David, the remaining uh, years of David Backus. Now, there's a guy who, if he actually has a home gym and good, like either whether it's one of those skating machines uh, or access to an ice rink might actually managed to come back from uh, from the pause looking better than he has in years. Because mm-hmm. um, David Back is one of the most physical players in the league. Um, and I've said that for, about him his entire career. This extra three months off might propel him back into the NHL after being demoted to the AHL. It, 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 it's all in what David wants to do at this point. I mean, I, uh, if he, I mean, if he decided he wants to come back and play in the NHL and 
say he took the first month off, like legitimately stayed home, rested and did nothing and has slowly been ramping back up to full NHL speed. Yeah. He, he may well be better than he than we've seen him since certainly the 17-18 season. Um I I think that with this extra rest, yeah, he can probably get more than uh 14 goals in 57 games. Um his last two seasons, I mean La, uh, the eighteen nineteen season, he had a goal every ten games. Uh, I, I think he can eclipse that fairly easily if he's healthy again. Okay. A- am I saying that he's going to score twenty seven goals again, like he did in the thirteen fourteen uh, season for thirteen to fourteen season for the um, Blues? Probably not. Um, but it would be nice. And go ahead. I just don't know where he's at. I I, I I don't know where he's at mentally. I mean, physically, he still throws himself around like he's a 20-something-year-old, uh, or at least he did for the Bruins. The offensive output wasn't there. No. Uh, I mean, he did go out and get three assists in six games, which equaled his 16-game total in Boston last year after he was traded to Anaheim. Um, which might well be a good sign. I don't know. Um, but I would certainly love to see him at least play well enough to play, to get another 50 NHL games and cross that uh, thousand point mark. Um, David Backus is one of those guys who I've always thought very, very highly of. Um, and oh, he's I, a guy, he plays, he plays the game, right? I, it would be, it would be, terrible to watch him go out um, basically in the way that his last season, this season has gone. Um, One, we wanted to talk a little bit more about, um, about a player that we've, you know, kind of hinted once or twice, something needs to be done with. Um, Why don't you uh, dive into that one? Well, there's a reason why, and this is an old story. Um, it was written back on March 6th, just before the season was paused. It appeared in the Boston Globe, written by Matt Porter. And there was a reason why you wanted to talk about this particular story. And I'm trying to find the actual line. Uh, but it talks about a certain defenseman, and it says salary cap increase could aid Bruins in re-signing Tory Krug. As we know now, there's probably not going to be an increase uh, they have said that uh, they're not going to go below the number for this se- this current season. So there's not going to be a decrease in the cap. But, uh, not for next th- year, no. Not for next year. But the main reason you wanted to mention this story was <clears throat> uh, – where did I – Tory Krug is the league's top power play quarterback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leading the league in power play assists with 25 and power play points with 27 at the time of the pause. Uh, I don't know how much more evidence we need to lay out there to convince Mr. Sweeney that this needs to get done. But uh, if you're going to sport one of the league's top power plays and the Bruins have that. 
particularly on a team that doesn't score as much at five on five as they should. Does it not make sense to then hang on to the top power play quarterback in the NHL? And Chris, yes. If Tory Krug is the top power play quarterback in the league, um, that they they must have written something wrong, or it's a Homer article. I mean, everybody knows that like Brent Burns and Eric Carlson are the best offensive defensemen in the league. Krug, who is sixth among defensemen in points per game, nine goals, thirty nine assists for forty eight points in sixty games played, is the hand at the wheel of the league's second best power play. 25.1% success rate. You answer my question. We all know that Eric Carlson and Brent Burns and Chris Letang are the best offensive defensemen the league has seen since Bobby Orr. Probably better, each of them. Uh, well, uh, okay. So let's see. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> According to ESPN, among defensemen, only Chris Letang has seen more of his team's total power play time at 76.5% than Tory Krug, who's played 75.9%. There are only three forwards that rank ahead of these two guys. So where's your Brent Burns? Where's your Eric Carlson? Where's your Drew Doughty? And I'm a huge Drew Doughty fan. And I wait, think a minute, that- wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're clearly using like Homer stats or like there's a database corruption in whatever stat tool they're using. But he's among defensemen. He is the second highest power play percentage player in, and fifth overall in the NHL. Well, and, if he were actually the best, he'd be playing the most minutes. I mean, that, okay. that's just the way it works. Chris Letang, terrible. Thank you very much. End of story. Um, <laughs> but how can anyone be better than the second, third, and fourth comings of of Bobby Orr? I mean, those guys pretty much invented defense Whoa, in the NHL. Stop. Who are you comparing to Bobby Orr? Obviously. Letang? Obviously, Letang and Burns and Carlson. Those are the three greatest defensemen ever to play no not merely just in the nhl but ever to play hockey why are you trying to make me laugh seriously once those three guys retire they're emptying the nhl hall of fame of defensemen and just putting those three in i'm sure that each of them will have a wing are you trying to make me trying to make me laugh is what you're doing themselves no horrible uh Brent Burns more horrible and Eric Carlson less horrible because he's learned the defensive end of the ice actually exists. I see. And now that's just something that I, I just stop. The only thing that matters from defense is points and look at the careers of those three. Clearly, the only thing that matters from defense is points. Clearly, they're not out there to stop the other team. I don't know. Maybe, you know. Hence the term defensemen. Uh, clearly, their role on the ice is to score goals. And no, 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 and- Chris. Again, <laughs> those three players have revolutionized the position. No, no, no. Bobby Orr revolution. Bobby Orr revolutionized Who? Who? the position. Ain't nobody ever seen that old man play. Just Bobby stop. Orr. Eight Norris trophies. Yeah, but there were only like four teams in the league then. Well, no, there were actually like 10 or 12, but okay. 
Bobby Orr revolutionized the position. Brent Burns has kind of turned into a joke. Chris Letang. I'm not not going to sit here and listen to you speak ill of any of the three greatest sportsmen on the planet. (laughs) The three greatest. Corey Krug. Arguably the league's top power play quarterback. I mean, they're not even putting Drew Doughty into this argument. And Drew Doughty is better than Brent Burns or Chris Letang or Eric Carlson. Uh, I I think you're You better be facetious right now because my name is Mike. We've known each other for a long time now. You should know what my name is. Stop. Drew Doughty better than Eric Carlson. Drew Doughty better than Chris Letang. Drew Doughty better than Brent Burns. Uh, not listening to arguments, they, he is, and they still aren't. He's still not even in the top five in how much power play time he plays for his team. Chris Letang is only out there because that's all he can do is play on the power play. You are so misguided. You are clearly blinded by like media hype or something. Right. You just just need to look at the facts. And I'm looking at the facts, and the fact is that Don Sweeney needs to find a way to pay this man. I, whatever. Like, I think we need to move to a more important story from the moral corner and foundation and guiding force of the NHL in Radko Gudis. Oh, oh yes, Radko. I, I – Yes, Radko Gudis, one of my uh, uh, okay favorite might not be the top word. Um, not quite sure how of to describe this. Your favorite? He is one of the most respected, hardworking players in the NHL who plays a clean, smart game that is all about. How do you say these things with a straight face? How do you say these things with a straight face? Clean. Upstanding. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Facts are facts. Facts are facts. So Radko Gudis on Russian machine never breaks. Uh, and this is where I found the story. It could be somewhere else. I don't know. But this was the first headline I saw. So I clicked on it. He believes, um, unlike, I'm guessing, most of the NHL, uh, he believes that the NHL should cancel the rest of this season. And that's why he's the moral champion. He wants everybody to be safe. So the quote being money is my, and, and just, I think just as his playing style demonstrates, he uh, wants everyone to be safe and healthy. Exactly. I think we shouldn't play when the whole world is canceling seasons. Hockey would be the only team sport trying to power through it like this. Well, there are hockey players that are tough as hell. Uh, my favorite quote is money is money. It's what currently makes the world go round. It's a bit sad that they are willing to risk the health of so many players for money. See, Uh, he's putting health first, (laughs) just as he does on the ice. As we said in the lovely, lovely pre-show bit we do, there he gets a lot of zeros at the end of a number to play hockey. I don't know where he thinks those zeros are going to come from if they don't play. Apparently they have some magic tree out in back of the NHL offices where they just 
pull money off of so they can pay these players. But um, he's, he's talking about health. And Nothing I and I understand that. I understand that. And that's and, why they have and are going through all of this to try and find a safe way to bring the game back. But he doesn't think they should. Now, my issue with this is that he makes this big, bold statement about money is money and can't believe they're willing to pay the players for more money. And then in the same interview, he turns around and, oh, wait, starts talking about his contract and the possibility of re-signing with the Capitals. Um, he's in the final year of a four-year <clears throat> $13.4 million deal. So he's going to make three and three, $3.35 million dollars. Again, Which is where's not this? important to him. I mean, the first things out of someone's mouth are the most important things. And he talked about health and safety. He demonstrates that every time he takes the ice. Yeah, I could clearly that's. <sighs> I am. I, I applaud him for worrying about his colleague's safety. I applaud him for that. But if he thinks that there's magically going to be three and three three point three five million dollars just hanging around for him to get paid when they're not playing, so there's nobody, there's no TV, the, you know, there's no money. I don't know if they're getting money from the TV contract since there's no games. Uh, there's no fans in the seats. Yes, unfortunately, some fans have paid for season tickets and they're not getting to see games. They're going to have to refund that money if they cancel the season. That will affect his dollar signs. Um, but he wasn't – that's not important to him. You you read the words the, words the man spoke. I, I, I am sure – I am sure that wherever he lands next, whether it's the Washington Capitals or – Well, Buffalo he doesn't Sabres seem to think the Washington Capitals are going to resign. Or the Minnesota him. Wild – He's going to be the Players Association representative for the team um, just by taking the stand. He's the player rep for the team. Uh, They have top prospects in the wings. So his final quote is, I believe I'll stay in the NHL. Well, not if you keep making statements like this. Uh, I mean, you're right with taking a strong moral foundation like that. He could easily be elected by a claim to, like, his home nation's highest electoral body. So not worried about the money. He honestly says not worried about the money. He says he's worried about player safety. Then in the same interview, he talks about his contract and and whether Capital is going to resign him. Final piece of evidence that he may be speaking out of some other orifice than his mouth. Last paragraph. I believe I'll stay in the NHL. Some teams have problems with defense. I'm keeping in shape, and I sometimes check what's going on with the league. Now, some teams have problems with defense. I believe the part of the statement he didn't say there is that he's somehow going to fix that problem for a particular team. That is implied. Last time I checked, Radko Gudis is not a Norris Trophy winner, nor is he a candidate. But what does that have to do with anything? Because he says some teams have problems with events. So he thinks he's going to be that defenseman that comes in. So I'm keeping in shape, and I sometimes check what's going on with the league. I call the guys, text them. That's about all I can do now. 
And the proof that and he's the not money wrong. thing, the proof that the money thing is bigger issue than you think. I'm waiting for the free agency market to open. Mm-hmm. End of story. I I applaud that he's worried about his coworkers. I applaud that he's worried about their health and safety. That's great. But if you're going to tell me that he's not worried about the money and it doesn't mean anything to him, I'm well, waiting for I'm the sure free agency market to open. I'm sure he was about those other topics. End and clearly they were not on much on his mind. I dropped my mic, but I don't want to break it. The health and safety of all players, as he's demonstrated throughout his career, is the most important thing to him. And again, I applaud him for worrying the concern he has for his coworkers. But he as thinks the NHL and he thinks the NHL should cancel, but he still thinks he's going to get paid. And yeah, he probably is. I'm not saying that he's not going to get paid, but I don't know where he expects that money is going to come. And if you're going to tell me that money is not your worry, then why in the remainder of the interview was it about money? Obviously, someone someone brought it up to him. Ah, so we can't blame Radko for directing the uh, or Just navigating the, the question honestly, navigating the direction of his own interview. I don't know if I buy this one. And to be honest, I don't think the NHL should uh, cancel the season either. But hey, I, I think we should take our lead from Radko Gudis as we all as, and the rest of the world should as well. Uh-huh. It, it's all about safety. Everyone needs to be healthy. Everyone. As I say every week, don't forget to wash your hands. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Um, we will spend a little bit more time next week talking about the three greatest sportsmen ever. Um, oh, please, dear God, no. <laughs> Uh, our moral t- champion, uh, Radko Gudis. <laughs> How do you do and whatever this with else a crosses face? our mind. Come on, crack a smile, laugh, do something for me because this has got to be funny to you. <laughs> I, I'm 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 genuinely confused. I mean, what have I said that's a laughing matter? Well, you tried to tell me that Brent Burns and Eric Carlson are the be all end all in defense, so. Um, no, no, not just defense. As I said, Brent Burns, Chris Letang, and Eric Carlson. You've got to end the show. Stop. Uh, uh, certainly of our lifetimes, probably in the entire history of sport. Folks, I hope your week is in as, as entertaining as this show has been for me. <laughs> Everyone have a uh, great day. Ooh, late breaking from Pierre Lebrun. Um, sources indicate the return to play committee has talked through the weekend NHL NHL PA making progress in a 24 team format sources are stressing. There is still work to be done, uh, but clearly, uh, clearly the weekend has produced some traction, more talks expected over the next week we or go. two. Um, I'm guessing uh, Radko is not getting his wish. Um, it, it, it it does appear that the entire NHL and the Players Association are going against the clearly superior moral fiber of Radko Gudis and uh, it's a very sad day. Um, <laughs> we gotta end this show. Stop. 
I Pierre V. LeBrun is, uh, is your source there. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much uh, for listening. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back soon. Um, check Jeff Glass's uh, Twitter account. Uh, he got a great message from Cody Glass uh, on Mother's Day. Um, it's definitely worth a, a couple of minutes of your time. And what else do you have to do? Take care. <laughs>